Welcome to the Chronify Podcast. This is Ben Miller. Today's episode is about the importance of bucking the trend and taking ownership of your results, your energy, and your time. Before we get to that, if you're enjoying the podcast, please do subscribe. And if you're downright loving it, leave a review. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Now, let's get to the episode. There are some days when the snooze button looks unavoidably appealing. We want to feel a sprightly urge to spring out of bed and see to the day's work with vigor and verve, but we just can't muster it. In these moments, our bodies are telling us something. Sure, it may be as mundane as, I should have gone to bed earlier, but often it's deeper than that. If you were truly passionate about your day-to-day, you'd be willing to forego sleep and food to pursue it. As Nietzsche reminds us, he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. There's a children's book that's gotten plenty of airtime in my house called Grumpy Monkey by Suzanne Lang. The, dare I say, protagonist is a monkey named Jim Panzee, who woke up one morning to discover that the sun was too bright, the sky was too blue, and the bananas were too sweet. These days, or seasons, happen to all of us, even when we're overall happy and thriving. So what is it that our bodies are telling us during these moments? It's funny how the man has come to occupy such a central role in our thoughts about how we live our lives. There's this false dichotomy that creeps into common thought that a person is either a sellout who marches around to the orders of a boss, or a self-driven owner who takes orders from no one. People who currently feel crushed under the boot of their managers assume that the grass is always greener. They think, if I could just run my own show, all these problems would go away. I know, because I've been that guy. But what happens when you pull the ripcord and launch your own ship out to sea? Do the problems actually stop? Far from it, they multiply. Having a flesh-and-blood boss can be a wonderful thing. It narrows the scope of the problems that are properly yours and gives you the sweet cocoon that gives truth to the phrase, ignorance is bliss. Plus, it's pretty convenient to have a focal point for all the disgruntlement, disappointment, and rage that comes with the inevitable slings, arrows, and frustrations that come from going about your work. We think there's a clean and simple choice to be made. If you work for the man, you cede ownership and take a steady paycheck. If you forge your own path, you forego the steady paycheck in favor of ownership. In general, there's a strong negative correlation between ownership and security. As one rises, the other tends to fall. But this can lead us to believe that the choice to work for someone else is tantamount to a rejection of ownership. And that's where the problem appears. Those of us who still have a boss pine for the day when ownership can be had, but give up on that dream for now. And that way, many of the most capable people in our society lull themselves into an uninspired march, sleepwalking toward someday. I got lunch with a friend, we'll call her Jess, this past week, and she really inspired me. While discussing the latest goings-on with her boss, something really struck me. Jess was taking ownership of her situation. Sure, she's got a boss, and sure, it was a conscious decision on her part to have that boss, but she did not give up her ownership. Because Jess does such an effective job in her work, and because she's so critical to the outcome of her unit of her business, she has a strong sense of ownership of the results. She's running a business within a business. 
the refreshing thing about the way Jess was speaking about her work was that she was fleshing out all angles. Instead of taking what the boss said and assuming, well, he must know more than I do, so I guess I'll just go along, Jess was willing to press back. She actually cares about her work, and that has given her a superpower to defend herself and pressure test her new opportunities that are thrust onto her plate. Where others might say, thank you, sir, may I have another, Jess is taking ownership of her situation, staunchly defending her interests, and feeling the benefits and drawbacks of changes to her role. Jess is an inspiring example of someone who takes ownership of the results of her work. Even though she does have a boss to answer to, she cares about her results, forges creative solutions to protect her interests, and gets to experience the upside and the downside of her decisions in real time. Another recent conversation left a strong impression on me. My friend, we'll call him Jake, is currently dealing with a demanding leadership role at a startup, paired with an infant at home who's turning a sector of his life that would normally be a pillar of refuge into a burgeoning center of chaos. Jake feels a strong need to rework some things within his life, and understandably so. When you're leaving everything on the field at work, and you come home to discover that what looked like the end of the game was only halftime, it's easy for the wind to come out of your sails a bit. Jake observed that his energy was flagging, and he was astute enough to realize that he needs to ring-fence some time within his week to work on things that make him feel alive. Jake took inventory of his situation, realized that energy was the missing ingredient, and is now in the process of taking ownership of his energy by creating time to productively recharge his battery. When you're hemmed in from all sides and feeling depleted, there can be a sense of being too tired to get up and go to bed. Jake's newfound drive to make space in his calendar to recharge his batteries will give him ownership not only over the segment of time he creates, but a greater sense of ownership of the other components of his life as he brings a fresher and more vigorous self to those domains as well. A few weeks ago, I took a vacation that turned out to be just what the doctor ordered. First things first, my body took the first 36 hours of the vacation to shut down and send me a strong signal of protest about its rough treatment of late. But the upshot of the reflections during and after the vacation had a lasting effect. Despite the fact that I'm an entrepreneur and I do have a large degree of ownership over my results, my energy, and my time, I was not feeling the degree of ownership I needed to. The reflection spurred by taking a step back from work for a few days led me to see that I'd ceded ownership to a boss as well. In my case, that boss was the me from three months ago. I was being dragged around by the nose, working to execute the vision I had set a few months ago and getting so bogged down in the details of execution that I wasn't popping my head up for air to ask if those were still the correct priorities. That is, despite the fact that I technically have a tremendous degree of ownership, I was not taking enough time to act like an owner. It's the difference between working in the business and working on the business. So I'm in the process of allocating a larger chunk of my time away from execution and towards strategy. In the near term, that looks like a lot of canceled meetings, a lot of reflection on what's next for the business, and a lot of connecting with people who can help us get to where we need to be as an organization. I'm already experiencing the benefits. So many people moan about the injustice of the way things are currently done. Wealth is allocated unequally. Power is corrupt. Regulators are inept. 
businesses are greedy. By embracing these messages, we tell ourselves that we lack ownership. And that's what's wrong. When we tell ourselves that we lack ownership, we pass the buck. We nudge ourselves into a pattern of learned helplessness that tells us that things aren't the way they ought to be, but it's okay because it's not our fault. We accept our anxiety as a natural effect of the system into which we've been born. We soothe ourselves with pharmaceuticals, entertainment, and a general self-assurance that everything will be okay. And even if it won't, it's not our fault. Wrong. If you had a choice of any other time or place in history to be alive, you'd be completely insane to choose anywhere and any when, but here and now. The world isn't perfect. Things are going wrong all the time. People are dying unjustly, and there are a thousand things wrong with the way things are. The world is ugly, but in the words of Derek Zoolander, it's also really, really ridiculously good looking. There's so much wealth in numerous forms from which all of us benefit, and yet here we are, unappreciative, anxious, and apathetic. I caught myself people-watching the other day, thinking about how the people I was looking at would have fit into more primitive cultures. Nomads, hunter-gatherers, barbarians, whatever you want to call it. The animals we are have not changed meaningfully, biologically, since we've suddenly come into so much wealth. The history of humanity has been overwhelmingly dominated by war, disease, and famine. It's only during the past few hundred years that we've begun to truly, on average, outrun those triune scourges of our species. And yet, something about the process of progress has led us to a place where we're unable to appreciate the true boon that has been thrust upon us. In many ways, it's like we've beaten the video game, come up out of the basement, and wondered sadly about what we're going to do next. When you're facing nature, red in tooth and claw, trying to outrun a panther in the jungle, I'd imagine it's pretty satisfying to win that race. When you're looking at a depressed panther through three-inch thick plexiglass at the zoo, not so much. In taming our world, we've ameliorated the risks that come with living. We've increased life expectancy, which is a wonderful thing. But we've learned as a society to treat symptoms instead of root causes. Diet and exercise? Nah, I'll just take a pill when I'm older. We put bumpers up around everything. Turns out, bowling isn't as fun if you can't wind up in the gutter. The key to getting our groove back is taking ownership, right now. Every obstacle that life puts in your way is an opportunity to build your skills, overcome the obstacle, and perhaps most important of all, prove to yourself that you have what it takes to handle the situation. Here are some ways you can take ownership of your situation outside of being your own boss. Number one, incentivization. Talk with your boss about tying your compensation to the results you produce. Number two, job crafting. Use your energies at work to build skills you want to have outside of your job. And number three, self-care. Build time into your week to recenter yourself and figure out what you really want and then own your decision to get back to work. Taking ownership stings. It's really convenient to have a boss's face to print out and put on your dartboard. He's a ready-made scapegoat for everything you've failed to provide for yourself. It's uncomfortable to acknowledge that we bear responsibility for the way that we greet the world. But whether we're out on our own or working for someone else, ownership is essential.
If you want to own the upside, you have to own the downside as well. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. In paving the world, we've provided a lovely safety net in so many ways. We've got food stamps, bankruptcy laws, depositor bailouts, the FDA, and all kinds of institutions designed to keep us from stubbing our collective and individual toes. But we've also lost touch with the nature of risk. And with that, we've lost touch with ownership. In earlier, simpler times, a man could be satisfied with making it through the day without getting injured, putting food on the table for his family, and surviving to have the privilege of doing so tomorrow. He may not have owned the product of his labor, but he could take ownership of his role within his family and wear the risk that came with outrunning starvation. For the most part, occupational safety is now near assured. Food insecurity is comparatively rare, and modern medicine makes us pretty sure that tomorrow will indeed arrive for most of us. But in stripping us of the ability to feel the risks, modern society has also stripped us of the ability to feel the rewards that come with taking ownership of our situation. There are so many benefits that come with ownership. Like Jess, you can feel deeply attached to your work, defend your interests, and harvest the results of your decisions. Like Jake, you can identify issues as they arise and create enduring solutions that protect yourself while also enabling you to bring your best self to the things that matter most. And like the me I aspire to be, you can stop following yesterday's plans and start creating new plans that actually apply to today. And on top of that, you have a golden opportunity to do what Jess did for me and knock things into place by setting a good example. What Jess is doing in looking out for herself is not rocket science. It struck me not because it's complex and complicated, but because it's simple and rare. If you want to take care of yourself the right way, take ownership. And if what you're currently doing is not worth owning, drop it and find something that is. You'll be happier, more effective, and more alive. And if you won't do it for yourself, do it for someone you love. The you who takes ownership of your situation is more interesting to talk to, more inspiring to witness, and more likely to achieve results that actually matter. What's bothering you today? If it's worth a complaint, it's worth owning. If it's worth owning, own it. If it's not worth owning, drop it and move on to something that is. Life's too short to be renting your problems from someone else. Own your life and enjoy the ride. Thanks a lot for listening. If you'd like to learn more about how to make the most of your limited and valuable time, head on over to chronify.com. We'd love to help you out.